The Theonauts, episode 127. The one where he turned me into a newt. I got better. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you theocromancers out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the Theonauts. How you doing, Dave? Awesome, man. Yeah? How's it going? Going good. I'm back into full swing after a... uh, Back in the saddle again. Uh, Yeah, after a great week of uh, rest and relaxation Uh (laughs) uh, of uh, spring break. Yeah. Actually, I went to Kansas and did a uh, revival there and had a lot of fun. Did some music. Sounded like it was an awesome revival. It was. It was a lot of fun. Talk about Ruth? Yeah, a little bit. Cool. We had, yeah, the... This young guy in uh, he he goes to Southwestern Seminary. He's twenty three years old, um, and we had a, oh my goodness, his name's Ryan, and we had a blast with Ryan this week. I I had a blast. I just found a kindred spirit. that yeah. liked to goof off and made fun of his nose all week. It was great. <laughs> he has this gigantic schnoz. He uses he cups his hand over it sometimes because <laughs> it gets too cold. Anyways, so nice Ryan. Possibly could be listening because I told him about Theonauts. Yeah. And so if you're listening, Ryan, shout out to you. You did a great job uh, giving us some great exegetical preaching from the book of Ruth and why we need a kinsman redeemer and how God did that through Jesus Christ and broke the mold and the law yeah. in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. in order to do that. So Yeah, that's, uh, that's an awesome study for me pretty unique like we ought to do that sometime yeah you know i was talking about how that that study actually got me in trouble one time right (laughs) because i was talking about the um the fact that see a lot of people don't realize when they just read the book that you can't marry a moabite it's against the law it's It's against the law like like it's more than once right like it's not just the one time oh by the way you know the Moabites by name, like mm-hmm. it specifically says. Them some dirty people when you yeah, look at their you, lineage. You can't marry them, right? All right, and it's like, not only does Boaz break that law, it's trumpeted like it's treated like this great. Well, love yeah, story. and God uses it to you know, and actually uses that marriage to bring about his, his son Messiah. Jesus. That's right. Yes, the Messiah is is a product <laughs> of basically breaking the law in the name. Of love and grace. Yes. So it, you know, it may, so I, I tied it back to the Galatians, the mm-hmm. fruit of the spirit. You know, he's naming all these these great things that the spirit produces. Right. And at the very end, he says, "Against such, there's no law." So, in other words, if these are, if this is what is being produced, there's no law against this. How dare you, David? Yeah, I got in trouble. Yeah, I bet but, you did. Okay, so well, you know, <laughs> hopefully, it won't be the last time you get in trouble. Yeah. It probably won't be. That's good. It seems to be a a, a reoccurring theme for me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with myself <laughs> if someone wasn't calling me a heretic. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you are, but that's okay. <laughs> I love you. 
<laughs> Anyways, so did you have a good week? Yeah, uh, I enjoyed a non uh, spring break. Oh yeah, that's cause, right. Because yeah. you Cause work I like because I have people. a real job. Yeah, because <laughs> teaching isn't a real job. <laughs> <laughs> way overpaid, way un- way overworked, way underpaid, way I, overworked. I do not disagree with that. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah, I just had a, a normal you know, a week or whatever. But, yeah. uh, man, yesterday I went crazy over doing things because, okay, you know, you reach a certain age and the body just doesn't work like it used to. Yeah. But the mind sometimes forgets that, especially when you're a guy and you have all this pride and whatever. And so, yeah. That's hilarious. Okay, so you and I went disc golfing. Yeah, we played 18 rounds, with, 18 holes. With Kevin and Ricky. Yeah. And... uh so we, we, we go 18 holes of disc golf, which always kind of wears me out anyway. Yeah. Um, by the time we get through 18 holes of walking this and everything. And I'd promised Melanie that I would take her to the track so she could walk around the track and get exercise. Now, I can't go to the track and walk. It just doesn't happen. My, it's just a guy ego thing. I can't, I can't just walk. I got to run. Right. I got to jog at right. least. And uh, so I get out there, jog about a mile, and just collapsed. And I have been paying for it ever since, man. Oh man! According to my according to my smart smart watch, oh yeah, um, I walked fifteen thousand steps for seven and a half miles of walking and running. Nice. (laughs) How are you feeling today? So you just getting over sore? Yeah, but. It'll probably tomorrow, whenever I really... You want can. some positive outlook on this? Sure. I hope that when I'm your age, I can do that. Because <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Think about that. That's how many guys your age can do that. Yeah, you make that sound like like I'm really old. Well, I mean, you're getting up there. You're almost 50, <laughs> aren't you? You're pretty close. I'm 46. I'm not old. <laughs> 47, I'm not. Yeah. Those are 37. Yeah. 37, I'm not, not old. old. Well... I'm Speaking 30. of old, what was <laughs> I tried to pull that trick on the whole Brendan conversation. Did you see the Brendan conversation? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't. Okay, because, you know, you were like, oh, Brendan's a kid. And all, oh, I yeah, remember what yeah all. I remember. And by the way, I threw you under the bus because I was like, oh, that you? was Jeremiah <laughs> saying those things. That- well, yeah, it was. Bring so- it on, Brendan. <laughs> I'm not afraid of you. You live in he's, Tennessee. He's like, I'm 27. <laughs> Quit calling me a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like. I didn't know you were called Dennis. That's cute. <laughs> My name is Dennis. I didn't know you were called Oh, no. I, what I said was, uh, hey, old woman. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't respond. Oh, that's great. Kevin got on there and he was like, My name's Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were called Dennis. That's great. Anyways. Oh, man. So, all right. Well, do you want to conjure up today's topic? Yes. We need some creepy music. But oh, well. Sorry. David, did you know that witchcraft is in all of our popular culture? It is. It saturates it. It does. Star Wars. True. I, I the actually, Force. Yes. I have a uh, article pulled up here, and I'm not going to give you the website. But <laughs> Why? You don't want me commenting on it? Gigantic. <laughs> 
article about how, I mean, even the posters, they have these pictures of all the posters lined up. Yeah. And it shows them all covering their right eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, I know the whole right eye thing. That, is, yeah. yeah. So, like, I mean, it's all just straight up Illuminati witchcraft. Yeah. And, and it's going to kill you. And then, you know. The we evil got, eye. That's right. We got Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, witchcraft is in everything, right, behind the scenes. So what comes to your mind when you hear the word witchcraft? Well, probably for me, it's still the whole green skin, hook nose, ward on the nose, pointy hat. Because, bubble, bubble, boil, and trouble. Yeah, or yeah, or that. And that that's like the whole thing, because when I grew up, that's what witches were, really. Yeah. With the exception of um, of Samantha. Oh, yeah. On Bewitch. She was very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The whole nose thing. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Right. <laughs> oh, that glorified witchcraft. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. It was back then, you know, that was just, that was part of pop culture. Right. No one gave it a second thought. Christians weren't like picketing and boycotting Bewitched. But, hmm. you know, it was more. That's true. I never thought of that. It was just a TV show. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. I'm a good witch. Yeah. C.S. Lewis. Chronicles of Narnia. Ooh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Lord of the Rings. There are wizards in J.R.R. Tolkien. Shocker. You know, okay, so I'm a literary teacher. That's what I do. I teach English. And mm-hmm. uh, and it always amazes me whenever parents tell their children they can't read Harry Potter. And this is why. And I'm not, if you don't like Harry Potter and you think that it's witchcraft, okay, I'm not going to fight with you, but what I am going to say is if you're doing that by the same token, don't let them read Lord of the Rings and don't let them read mm-hmm. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe because they both have witches and wizards in it and there's witchcraft and spells and all these things going on right? and even necromancy and <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so, and even like, because um, I, I, th- I was thinking about that one time because I was thinking, okay, well, C.S. Lewis used the witch as the evil character of mm-hmm. the story, right? But at this, with the same token, he also used white magic. Yes, he did. And as a metaphor right. of, you know... Well, Aslan, Aslan the says deep magic. there's a deep magic. Yeah, right. And, you know, even that term magic denotes that, well, Aslan must be some kind of a wizard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there are wizards if you go into... Um, well, there's a good wizard in uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Right, right. The, you know, where, when they get to the island with yeah, the invisible clawed stompers. Yeah. I forget their names. Anyways, <laughs> and there's a good wizard there, and mm-hmm. he's one of the he's one of the lost travelers of Narnia, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you have good and evil witches and wizards in, in Narnia, and the same thing with Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Good, you know, you have Saruman and you have uh, Gandalf. So, and not just Gandalf, but so many more. Anyways, I, you know, I got off on a tangent and probably jumped the gun there, but, you know. Yeah, because I was going to kind of bring pop culture into it a little bit later, but. It's very interesting. But, so, whenever I think of witchcraft, I think of probably the same thing, but I, I think of it more in a uh, more, uh, what's the word? Melevant. Malevolent? Malevolent. Thank you. Gosh, it's been a day. I think of it in more of a malevolent way because... Yeah, in an evil way because, you know, I naturally think of pentagrams 
drawn on the floor and like people could it be satan yeah and people sacrificing to goats and stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh and i was taught from a very young age that you need to watch out with that stuff because you know ouija boards and all yeah, this yeah, stuff yeah. i was the same way like playing with the supernatural to play with mm-hmm. a, a ouija board I wasn't either. And even like doing light as a feather, stiff as a board. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. We were told that that's... Bloody Mary. Right. My parents uh, read a book whenever I was a child called The Devil in the, Your Toy Box. And it <laughs> talked about... I wrote a book? Yeah. It talked about all these different evil things in the toy box that you had to get... And I had to get rid of my Ninja Turtles because they were New Age movement, which is witchcraft. And wow. Ninja Turtles, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's actually... I don't know. It's kind of strange because Ninja Turtles were like... Uh, supposed to be a product of wa- of nuclear waste, right? Yeah, basically. It wasn't like magic that did it. No, but the whole colors thing... Prisms, colors, all that. Too. Oh, okay. So they thought, oh, it's colors. It's going to be evil. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's rainbow bright. <laughs> Whatever. Care Bears. <laughs> yeah, or My Pretty Ponies. My Pretty, yeah. <laughs> my Little Pony. So, okay. I'm not, I know you're a brony. Right. So, no, not at all. Um, so, witchcraft. We think of thousands of different things under witchcraft. Yes. And the reality is, is witchcraft is pretty specific actually there's different types of witchcraft but it's it's very separated from from other things so um should we define witchcraft well yeah how about we first look at um some passages of of scripture sure absolutely or mainly just one i just want to look at because it's all over the place actually oh yeah in the old testament uh witchcraft is 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 condemned on every front Mm mm-hmm um, it's all over scripture, all yes, over scripture and, and, and condemned every single time. And it is actually, um, all kinds of, of crazy stuff going on. So, okay, look at, uh, Deuteronomy, um, 18 beginning in verse nine. Okay. It says, when you enter into the land, the Lord, your God is giving you, you must not learn the aberrant practices of those nations. There must never be found among you anyone who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. Wow. Like you needed to be told that. Right, exactly. <laughs> just fascinates me. Huh. It's like, okay, I'm, thank you, God. I wouldn't have thought of that one. But, right. Okay, there must, not, must never be found among you anyone who sacrifices his son or daughter in a fire. Anyone who practices divination, an omen reader, a soothsayer, a sorcerer, one who casts spells, one who conjures up spirits, a practitioner of the occult, or a necromancer. Whoever does these things is aberrant to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God is about to drive them out from before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Hmm. So one of the things that... um Oh, wait a minute. Let me read one more verse. It says, uh, those nations that you are about to dispossess, listen to omen readers and diviners, but the Lord your God has not given you permission to do such things. Now, nowhere in here does God ever say, this is bunk and it doesn't work. That's right. And in fact, he's so adamant against it. Okay, so we have Exodus twenty-two eighteen. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. 
Right. A commandment to kill the sorceress. Uh, Leviticus twenty twenty seven. A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer should surely be put to death. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood will be upon them. Right? So, I mean, God is very, very <clears throat> serious about this this whole idea of sorcerers. Well, sorcerers. Yeah, and one of the things that I noticed, like especially in this list that I read here on Deuteronomy, they are um, – there is a broad spectrum – he, being covered here. A huge one. Yeah. So, like, for example, it starts out with, you must not sacrifice your son or daughter to a fire. That's not just witchcraft. Like, that's pagan worship of a deity, right? right? Usually, this is uh, this is referring to um, uh, human sacrifice. Uh, Moloch was one that is... Yeah, huge that one. That actually, in Israel's uh, future from this time, uh, Manasseh, Right was was involved in in that type of type of thing, but let's think about what some of these other things means. What, what they mean, like for example, one who practices divination. Okay. So what do you, what is divining, or a diviner? It's like a soothsayer, right? So a great example of this person, uh, this type of person would be Balaam. Okay. The son of. Uh, um, Baor, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we all know the story of Balaam and the donkey, right? Right. So uh, the king Balak goes to Balaam and asks him to divine or to soothsay and then curse Israel. Right. Right. So Balaam is obviously this, you know, is a wizard or a, a diviner. A diviner. Yeah, it's another word basically for someone who can see into the future right? or see the outcome of future events. Exactly. So a prophet, in a way, is a diviner, but a prophet gets their information directly from God. Right. Which Balaam, in in some cases, God spoke directly to Balaam. Yeah, Balaam so. straddled the fence on that, <laughs> which is, he's of such an interesting character, because right. a, a lot of people like to put him, and a lot of people don't realize that Balaam wasn't even a Jew, so how right. in the world he right. knew That's God. totally fascinating. Is, is mind-blowing to yes. me, but he also, you know, practiced divination. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I mean, he was both, but yeah, his whole thing was, that was his shtick, was predicting the future, and people would would come and ask him what's going to happen, and he would tell them what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And then he would put curses on that stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's a diviner. <clears throat> An omen reader. <clears throat> An omen reader would be someone who also kind of can predict the future based on seeing things, right. seeing events that occur. So maybe like, I don't know, a great example of that would be Joseph Smith. Uh the father of the Mormon religion, <laughs> because he read omens in a hat. Uh, okay, anyways, it, keep going. It looks like that this Hebrew term that this omen reader comes from is um, a practitioner who was thought to actually to be able to conjure up spirits or apparitions to get information. Okay. So that was kind of what was thought about that. So would this be the person that Saul visits? Actually... Yes and no. I think that there's uh, there's something that you're talking about the witch of Endor. The witch of Endor, yeah. Yes, well, this is a cool. That's one of my favorite stories, too. But uh, I don't understand that. I still don't get it. <clears throat> okay, so um, we'll have to flip over there here in a minute. Yeah. So um, th- there's also some necromancy. 
that happens there. Right. So, uh, but anyway, the soothsayer uh, is a seeker of omens. It's a subset of div- divination. Or um, so one one illustrated by the use of a divining cup in mm-hmm. the story of Joseph. So uh, so anyway, there's like this. Um, there's all these different terms: a sorcerer, one who actually uh, can cast magic spells, um, one who conjures up spirits. This, I mean, some of this is kind of redundant, right? Um, what else is in the list? A practice, a practitioner of the occult. That could mean a lot of things. Sure. Necromancer. So a necromancer is one who actually raises someone dead. from the dead, who conjures up spirit from the dead. Right. Um, so that's kind of what uh, we see going on. Let's let's look at that um, that the Witch story of we were talking about. It's in. I didn't prepare to, to jump there, but it's in First Samuel. Uh, that's going to be somewhere near the end. 27, 28, something like that. 28. Okay. Okay, so uh, this is Saul. He's getting ready to go to his last battle in which he dies in. Right. Um, and it says there, um, let's begin in the first verse, uh, chapter 28. In those days, the Philistines gathered their troops for war in order to fight Israel. Akish said to David, you should fully understand that you and your men must go with me to the battle. And David replied to Akish, that being the case, you will then come to know what your servant can do. Akish said to David, then I will make you my bodyguard from now on. Now Samuel had died and all the Israel had lamented over him and had buried him in Ramah, his hometown. In the meantime, Saul had removed the mediums and the magicians from the land. Okay, so Saul at one time was really striving to serve God. Right. He kind of felt like God did him dirty, uh, mainly it was because of his own misunderstanding. Well, he his, tried to offer his, sacrifices. In his own pride. In his own pride, and he, God's like, uh, I'm going to remove the, the throne from you. Yeah, so, uh, but in the, in the process, he had removed all these uh, sorcerers from right. the area. So he didn't have any sorcerers to go to. And the Philistines assembled. They came and camped at Shunem, and Saul mustered all Israel and camped at Gil- Gilboa. When Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was absolutely terrified. So Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord didn't answer him, not by dreams and not by the Urim or by the prophets. So um, he had a priest that was basically under his charge, um, and this guy carried along with him this... Uh, Urum and the Thuman, which was basically a way of God talking to them. Right. Through the, most scholars think they were probably a, like a white stone and a black stone because right. what they would do is they'd reach into this pocket and they would say, "Should we go to war?" And if they pulled out the black stone, no. No. If no. they pull out the white stone, yes. So it was their way of right of casting lots uh, and understanding something from God. But I, I don't, and I never have understood exactly why that sometimes doesn't work. <laughs> Like okay, did you could you get not get your hand out of the bag or right. whatever? But anyway, it says so. Uh, Saul instructed his servants, "Find me a woman who is a medium, so that I can go to her and inquire of her." Okay, so here is part of the of the problem with witchcraft in general. Right, you are substituting God with something else. Right, like you you are putting something else in the place. Of, of God. So he doesn't get the answer from the Lord. 
And so he turns to uh, this medium. Now, also, this is this is still a real thing. Like when we go to Haiti and that sort of thing, it's very interesting to see how people, uh, especially in remote areas, because used to when, uh, back before the the earthquake, it was al- almost all voodoo. Voodoo, yeah. And uh, but now there's it's a very much Protestant Christianity throughout the nation, but there's still these places where what will happen is they'll go to church. Right. And if they don't get the answers they want, or if they can't get healed, or if they can't get whatever it is that they think that, that they should get from church, from God, then they'll go to the voodoo, voodoo priest. Yeah. So it's still the same type of sure. thing. And, and, and uh, so that's what Saul does here. Well, and, and, and there's a passage where God, when he's expressly forbidding witchcraft, Mm-hmm. The the reason he gives is he says, "Am I not enough?" Basically, yeah. I you know your your focus your attention should be on me, and I will guide you. Don't you don't need that junk. Yeah, and I think that uh, John Piper made a really interesting point one time when they were doing Ask John Piper about you know all those books that have been really famous lately that. Going to heaven books and coming back. Yeah, the heaven and, round trip books. Yeah, a John Piper said, "You know, I, I don't think that they're good because they're basically the same thing as witchcraft. Mm-hmm. You know, it's divination. What you're doing, yeah, it's divination. Basically, what you're doing is you're putting your faith <laughs> and your hope in these people who have gone to heaven and come back and to tell you what it looks like. And God's over here going, "Am I not enough? Yeah, right. Okay. Anyways, uh, side sidebar." Okay. So Saul says, go find me this uh, a woman who's a medium that I can inquire of her. And his servants replied to him, there is a woman who is a medium in indoor. So she had all these Ewoks around her. Right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I wonder if like, that's where he got that. Yep. Nub, nub, nub. <laughs> they did their Ewok ritual. <laughs> yeah. Dude, how great would it be to make a remake of this and make the Witch of Indoor be a little Ewok? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, anyways. So the woman who was a medium in indoor. And so Saul disguised himself and put on other clothing and left, accompanied by two of his men. So he didn't want anybody to know he's doing this. Of course, yeah. They came to the woman at night and said, Use your ritual pit to conjure up for me the one I tell you to. Okay, so they're planning on necromancy. This is what they want to do. Right. And it's so funny. Samuel was so put out. By Saul in life, right? Like he, like for he got tired of telling him over and over, "This is not what you're supposed to do." He had to kill that king Agag by himself because the Saul didn't do it, right? I mean, it was like all this. So anyway, he says here, uh, he says, "I need you to, to conjure up for the me the one I will tell you." And the woman said to him, "Look, you are aware of what Saul has done. He has removed the mediums and magicians from the land." Why are you trapping me so you can put me to death? <laughs> right. <laughs> so she can see through this disguise. But Saul swore an oath to her by the Lord, as if that meant anything at this point. Yeah. As surely as the Lord lives, you will not incur guilt on this matter. Huh. And the woman replied, Who is it that I should bring up for you? And he said, Bring up for me Samuel. And the woman s- when the woman saw Samuel, she cried aloud. The woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. Yeah. <laughs> and the king said to her, Don't be afraid. What have you seen? And the woman replied to Saul, I have seen one like a god coming up from the ground. And he said to her, 
what about his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up. He's wrapped in a robe. Then Saul realized it was Samuel, and he bowed his face toward the ground, kneeled down, and Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? (laughs) Saul replied, I'm terribly troubled. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has turned away from me. He does not answer me, not by the prophets nor by dreams, so I have called on you to tell me what I should do. (laughs) Samuel said, Why are you asking me? Now that the Lord has turned away from you and has become your enemy, the Lord has done exactly as I had prophesied. The Lord has torn the kingdom from your hand and given it to your neighbor David. And since you didn't obey the Lord and did not carry out his fierce anger against the Malachites, the Lord has done this thing to you today. The Lord will hand you and Israel over to the Philistines. Tomorrow, both you and your sons will be with me. (laughs) The Lord will also... Hand the army of Israel over to the Philistines. And, of course, it says Saul quickly fell full length on the ground because he was very afraid of Samuel's words. Yeah. Think about it. Oh, tomorrow you'll I be with me. I just find this so fascinating. It's like... I'll see you tomorrow, Saul. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. Right. <laughs> That's great. That's so great. All right, so that is a soothsayer. That's a that's a necromancer. Necromancer, yeah. sorry, necromancer. Oh, here's another thing I find it interesting. She's like surprised right. that it worked. Right. I just it's kind of shocking, weird. So, um, so yeah. Anyway, what about? Okay, let, let's let's talk about this for a second. What do you think is going on? Like, what is what is the power behind all this? Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so like I said, I believe that uh, witchcraft and, and Satanism are two different things. Okay. But the reality is witchcraft is Satanism and ignorance, I think, more than anything. Okay. I, I think the power behind this is Satan, is what I'm saying. Because the Bible says that Satan roams about on the earth like a roaring lion, so he, he, yeah. he can destroy. And the uh, the method he uses is different with everybody. We talked about this last time a, a while back, you know. So Satan, it, for example, in in our country, we don't see this stuff. We just don't. We don't need it. We don't <laughs> Satan doesn't use it he because He doesn't have to use this it's, crazy it's stuff. It's not the right bait. Right. Uh, you know. In Haiti, different story. Yeah, in Haiti it's it's the right bait in a lot of ways because they're uh they're they're uh non-modern society mm-hmm. where they rely on a lot of witchcraft. Yeah. And and so, uh, you know, you, you have voodoo, which is Haiti, right? Mm-hmm. And voodoo is a, it's pretty prevalent all through Africa and, yeah. and South America. Um, but then, uh, you know, so I think that supernatural things happen all the time. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they happen over here. Yeah, and uh, or just not in the open, you know, where right. it's really a pre- prevalent. But uh, you know, I think God, I think Satan's number one goal, because God's number one goal is His glory, mm-hmm. to get people to focus on Him for His glory. Right. I think Satan's number one goal is to get people to focus off Away of God, God, to give glory and to anything anything else. else. Yeah. So. There are two main big deals in the Old Testament. Number one, idol worship. 
Yes. Which is huge, right? God over and over and over again talks about idol worship. But, which this is really tied to that yes. in a great way. And the other one, it goes hand in hand, is this this witchcraft, mm-hmm. which idol worship and witchcraft in the Old Testament went hand in hand. And here's here's one of the things that we don't have a lot of clarity about. Visions of we 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 can't see the spirit world. No, we don't know what's what's happening under underneath this all. We don't know the source of these demons that we read about in the New Testament. We don't we don't know um, the comings and goings of angels and how that operates. I mean, we don't understand any of this spiritual realm stuff. Mm-mm. We we have vague references in scripture that give that that we so we know it's there, right? But we don't know how. It is operational. The fact that Samuel rose from the dead here in spirit form tells us that there's something else going on underneath the veil. Right. And, that, and again, God never says, don't practice this th- stuff because it's just a bunch of hobunkum. God right. says, don't practice this stuff because it'll mess you because up. it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's, yeah. it, it, and I think that it's dangerous on, on more than, than one level. Right. Um, there's a... A Haitian preacher that I know trust, you know, thoroughly, and he was telling this story about a um, a possession, or someone came into his church and wanted to be healed of a possession, and they he was like, okay, we'll bring him in. And they brought this this kid in, and the kid was like freaking out on the ground. And of course, that could be put on. There could be sure. all kinds of acts yeah. going on. Kid levitated off the ground. He told me he was like the kid went off the ground like three feet. And it's like, okay, I trust this guy. I don't think he's lying to right. me. Uh, there's just things that we can't. Yeah. Well, I think this would be a good point around. for you to bring up uh, uh, um, uh, the Solomon. Solomon. Okay. Well, this is. This blew my mind, by the way, the first time I heard about this. Well, That's crazy. I, and, and we don't even really know how true this is. Okay. Um, one of the one of the main grimoires in the field of and what's a grimoire? You got to explain a that. Grimoire is a spell book or how to cast spells. It's an instructional manual okay. to witchcraft. All right. Okay. And there's a bunch of these popular grimoires that have been out there forever. Right. right. Well, one of the most popular ones is is in fact it's kind of the source for almost every other one is a book called The Key of King Solomon. And there's two of them. There's the Key of King Solomon and the Lesser Key of King Solomon. Okay. Now, most scholars think this book originated in the Middle Ages okay. sometime. Uh, but no one really knows. Druids? Um, no. It would more than likely be Kabbalists. Okay. Uh, but anyway... Um, Which is an offshoot of of uh, Judaism. Yes, and the reason why we we know that is because the original text was in 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 Hebrew. In Hebrew, okay. yes, it, it's been translated into Latin. And it's been translated into English, and uh, I happen to have an English copy here. Right. That I granted, I'm not dabbling in witchcraft. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> um, I like to know my enemies. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so I, the thing that fascinates me about this is that it is supposedly by the, it is supposedly authored by Solomon. Yeah, it's King, attributed to King Solomon. King Solomon. Now, most people, scholars, really don't believe he's the true author of the book. But there's not a lot to 
to discount that either. Okay. Uh, the he- a lot of of Kabbalist Hebrews believe that King Solomon wrote this, and if you go back and you read the the Bible, some of it is it's not beyond the realm of capabilities. Right. Okay. Because God blessed uh, Solomon with all kinds of of knowledge about uh, things, and one of the things that he says in the books in the book here is that he. Um, that this was part of that blessing, that God blessed him with knowledge about what happens underneath the hood in the spiritual realm. Right. And he wrote it down uh, as a record to give to Rehoboam. Right. Um, and so the the weird thing about this is it reads like it honors God. Yeah. Like, okay, so like I'm going to read just a part, portion of it here from the very first chapter, and it says, Concerning the divine love, which ought to precede the acquisition of this knowledge. So that's the title of this page. And it says, Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, has said that the beginning of our key is the fear of God, to adore him, to honor him with contrition of heart, and to invoke him in all matters which we wish to undertake and operate, and with very great devotion, for thus God will lead us in the right way. When therefore thou shalt, and this is where it gets weird. When therefore, of course, it's all these these and thous is because right. it's an old translation. Sure. When therefore thou shalt wish to acquire the knowledge of magic arts and sciences, it is necessary to have prepared the order of hours and days and positions of the moon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and it starts getting into all this witchcraft type of crap. Okay. So, but the the thing that I find interesting is that. He's almost like he's saying, I'm doing this witchcraft stuff. In the name of God. But I'm doing it to honor God. Yeah. Because it's all his creation. Okay, so weird. Part of me wonders this, and this is way out there and probably totally blasphemous, but I'm going to go with it anyways. (laughs) You know, Solomon asked one thing of God, wisdom, knowledge, Mm -hmm. right? And God granted that to him, right? right? At the beginning of Solomon's career as a king, he's an awesome king. Right. By the end of his career... Yes. He gets totally screwed up. And what's he doing? He like stops he's, honoring God. He's marrying all these these pagan wives. Right. And he is honoring their God. Yeah. And by the end of it, it just messes him, messes mm-hmm. his whole family up. So part of me wonders what if God gave him the knowledge and he abused it. Right. And it, when you start reading through some of this, it is very suspect. Like mm-hmm. he starts saying things like, to get what you want. You know, if you want to do this, if you want to cause harm, if you want to, right. you know, that's I mean, not God honor, right? And I'm thinking, this is, you know, why would you uh, cause violence on somebody sure. because they just did you wrong, right? And you know, so, uh, well, okay, so uh, you know, and witchcraft isn't just in the Old Testament; it's in the New Testament too. Again, it's all over Scripture. Yeah. Jesus casts out demons all over the place. You have the uh, the story of Simon the magician mm-hmm. in the New Testament, mm-hmm. where you know he's following Peter. Is it Peter? Uh, no, who's it? Is it Paul and Silas? I can't remember. Yeah, Paul and Silas. Yeah, he's following Paul and Silas around, and uh, basically they rebuke him because he's he just wants it for you know he sees them healing people and he's like, how can I do that? Right? Oh, Simon the sorcerer. I was thinking Bar Bar Jesus. Uh, Simon the sorcerer was. Uh, Did I get it mixed uh, up? No, no, no. You're you're right. It's not. Uh, okay. It's Peter and uh, John. I think. 
I don't maybe. remember. But anyway, yeah, it's. Uh, I was thinking Paul and Silas is the Bar Jesus one where yeah. they where they blind the guy. Right, they blinded another man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so Jesus is still or God is still serious about this whole yeah. idea of witchcraft. Yeah. But that that's occultism, and I think that it it it's uh, secretly Satanism. Yeah. Right. But there's there's a different type of witchcraft today. Um, and it's the mainstream witchcraft that that you see everywhere today, and uh, it actually has its white magic. Is that white magic, yes. Yeah. I'm talking about it has its roots in the whole druid movement, the worship of nature. Oh yeah. yeah. So it's basically it's uh, neo paganism mm-hmm. or paganism. And the idea is, uh, and we talked about this actually a little bit in our secular humanism. Um, it deifies nature. Okay. Yes. So the idea is there's not God in heaven, goddess is Mother Earth. Yeah, yeah. The elements are sacred, and the the belief is that we can attune ourselves with nature. It's a Celtic, uh, Egyptian religions, Greek, Roman religions. They're all it's a form of this witchcraft, which yeah. in Wicked, yeah. And there's a whole big hod hodgepodge of it. Um. It's this, this whole concept of Mother Nature, right? That's the goddess of Wicca. Yeah, and so it's naturalism at its at its finest, right. basically. Uh, and so it, it glorifies self, and it almost deifies self mm-hmm. in nature. And the goal is to be one with nature. And actually, uh, Eastern mysticism, all this stuff, yeah, is exactly the same thing. Isn't for me? It's just another picture of how satan manipulates again the goal of satan is to get our minds Take, off of deifying god yeah and focusing on different well, things um i want to go back a little bit to some more history sure okay so this is the book of enoch okay okay so in, oh, yeah. in the great. in the book of enoch we have an expanded story of, of supposedly what happened in genesis 6 right with angels coming down and causing all kinds of havoc. Now, the book of Enoch, again, is not scripture, scripture, but it is mentioned in scripture. It's quoted by Jude. That's right. So it does have some authority, I think. Well, and and I don't don't think that 100% of it is, you know, legit, but it's got some interesting things in it. So here's all I wanted to mention is that uh, it goes through in one part and it starts talking about all these angels, these fallen angels yeah, and what their jobs were, like what they were doing on the earth okay. while they were here. And it's the same thing as what you were saying. Yeah. It was about taking the focus off of God and teaching mankind things that they didn't have any business knowing. Right. Some of which we still use without any problems at all. Right. But so it's kind of interesting whenever you hear this, uh, so anyway, I want to read just a little bit here. It says, Moreover, uh, Azazel taught men to make swords, knives, shields, breastplates, and fabrications of mirrors, and the workmanship of bracelets and ornaments, the use of paint and beautifying of the eyebrows, the use of stones in every valuable and select kind and all sorts of uh, dyes, so that the world became altered so I just find this interesting. Wow. It's like this whole concept of of beautification, armory, all these things were supposedly given to right. man by this particular fallen angel and weren't originally part of anything that we discovered or that right. you know humans did. Now it says um, impiety increased, 
fornication multiplied, and they transgressed and corrupted all their ways. Amazarak taught all the sorcerers and dividers of roots. Armors taught the solution of sorcery. Barkayal taught the observation of stars, the observers of stars. Akibiel taught signs. Tamiel taught astronomy. And Asaradel taught the motions of the moon. And men being destroyed cried out, and their voice reached to heaven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- there's a lot of discussion, too, about, for example, um, there's a lot of speculation that the Tower of Bab- the Tower of Babel was some dangerous stuff going on there. Right. Like whatever it is that they were doing there, God wanted it stopped. Yeah. Well, it's and, almost. I think it was almost metaphorical building a a tower. I do heaven. too. I, and I think that there's there is that layer yeah. of, of involved. And I and I also think that you know he told them multiply upon the earth. And what are they doing? Congregating, congregating and going yeah. up. But at the same time, there's also a lot of speculation that whatever it is they had been, because this is the same, you know, uh, I- ideas that have been taught. Yeah. This is right after the flood and that people began to multiply again and this happened. And uh, that whatever it is they were doing could have been very, like, um, mystical yeah. in its practice. So... To sum up all this, what uh, what should we as Christians do with witchcraft, about witchcraft? I don't know. What if you have an occultist or a, not an occultist really, but a modern modern witch in your life? Well, well I think for for one, we need to make sure that we, we treat them like any other sinner that we come across. Right. I mean, that we have grace and we have mercy yes. and we love. Yes, you know, through all those type of things, the the thing that I'm I would be concerned most for would be, um, it is attractive. It's very like, attractive. So Wicca is attractive on um, for different reasons, and um, it 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 has this. Uh, okay, so here's this one article I was I was looking at about it. It was talking about how it's glorified in pop culture, as we were talking about. Not simply because, um, you know, Satan's in our pop culture trying to convert people. Although he is. <laughs> right. But that's, but that's, but aside sure. from that, I think a part of the reason why it's in so much pop culture is because of its attractiveness of what it can provide. We've always so, been fascinated with the supernatural, it's the unknown. That's right. People are fascinated with the unknown. Um, Whenever I was a kid, uh, there was a movie that came out called The Craft. I don't know if you ever remember that. Yes, if you remember that movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I got super absorbed in that movie. Um, I don't remember one day I was sitting home watching MTV. I think I was sick or something, um, and I saw that movie and I just was like enthralled by this whole idea that these, you know, and this was naturalist witchcraft right yes they were calling to the four corners and doing all this stuff goddess of you know wind and <laughs> right goth. right but i was so fascinated with it. i started reading like books on witchcraft mm-hmm. like you know checking out public library books yeah 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 on witchcraft because i was and i just got so scared one night because i was doing this and i felt like just so much oppression mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i don't know if that was supernatural 
today or maybe just God was like, no, you're not going to get into that crap. Right. And took it from me. Mm -hmm. But the natural draw was there because we have this thing called a sin nature and the sin nature, it's, it's natural for us to glorify anything but God. Right. Well, and there is a sense of empowerment in it. So like, for example, this whole uh, King Solomon book is about controlling demons and spirits so they'll do what you want them to do. Right. That's a powerful thing. People aspire to power. Sure. And so, uh, and not only that, whenever you look at Wicca and you look at a lot of females Mm. are attracted to Wicca. That's right, because of the goddess. It has the whole female, the girl power thing tied to it. Um, You know, I'm just thinking of some of them that are listed here as uh, just think of how much, how many, how many of them are female oriented. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Craft, as you mentioned, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Charmed, Practical Magic. These are all yeah. women in these stories, And in fact, right? historically, if you look at it, women are typically the witches in the stories. Mm-hmm. And you you can even look at a, a real history and look at the Salem Witch Trials. We found a witch. May we burn Exactly, her? which was absolutely psychotic <laughs> and, uh, you know, manic. Mm-hmm. What happened there? Yeah, yeah, uh, and not what you should do. <laughs> the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not promoting any burning. No, but the reality what is, what do you burn is, apart from witches? <laughs> More witches. <laughs> but the reality is, is it does draw a female crowd. It, it seems to be because that's a desire is mm-hmm. to to be empowered. Well, here's another big draw. I think is this whole eco thing. Yeah. It's about saving the earth, you know, and people get all tied up in this whole thing about, uh, you know, the destruction of the environment yeah. and how we feel compelled to do something to stop it. And right. you have this Mother Earth uh, idea, Gaiaism, which is, you know, this Gaia is the, so supposedly the spirit of the earth, the, the yeah. whole. And so people get into this whole thing. All these movies even push this stuff. Like, the what was the. Uh, <laughs> Brendan's favorite movie, The Avatar. Yeah, you know, the yeah. spirit tree, and it, is the, it gives life. Is to that the really whole his favorite planet. movie? Just like... <laughs> yeah, you're getting ready to, to... open a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but you have all these movies that kind of do this whole thing. Uh, Fern Gully, sure, uh, <laughs> Captain Planet. Yeah. So, and, and not saying that we shouldn't be mindful of our ecology. But at the same time, you can take it to the nth level where it becomes a god. I got a great story for you. Okay, so another episode from my history with witchcraft or whatever. Okay. It's crazy how this happened. But one day, one of our teachers decided that we needed to take a field trip out to this new healing center. Literally. I'm not kidding you. It's in Wichita, and I don't know if the place still exists, but I know the are buildings are still the, there. The Christian private school. No, 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 no. This is when I was. Oh, when you were in public school. Oh, okay, okay, okay. At Udall Elementary School. Okay. Never forget this. Fifth grade, and we go to this quote-unquote healing center, and everything. All the buildings were domes, mm-hmm. and so the guy is telling us about holistic healing and holistic health and natural being one with nature and all this naturalism stuff. We go into this one. He's like, now this is our kind of our, our temple. And there's a prism. <laughs> I'm, I kid you not, a prism hanging. He's like, the healing power of crystals is absolutely amazing. Wow. And he goes in this explanation. And he goes, we've taken rotten fruit and we've placed it in here. And we've come back and that fruit has been restored, restored because of the healing power of prisms. 
right? Okay. Yeah, totally creeped me yeah. out, right? But that's that whole... Like, don't eat that. Right, it's... <laughs> Satan. <laughs> so no. it's gonna be like it looks beautiful, and you're gonna bite into it. And it's gonna be full of worms, flies, yeah. worms, whatever. maggots. But the but the reality is, is that I keep saying that. That's my catchphrase. The what? reality is. Oh. Um, well, the reality is that that this stuff is is witchcraft. It's a form of of, of Wicca. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Eastern mysticism, kind of, and yeah. so messing with the crystals and all this stuff. And there, you know, there are people that believe wholeheartedly in this stuff. Well, and, and get lost in it. There are so many things that makes this attractive. Yeah, there's 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 a subculture mm-hmm. that makes it attractive. People love subcultures. They love being I, belonging. In I something. honestly, I'm a subculture type of guy. Yeah, I I prefer subcultures to pop cultures. Right. Like, um, you know, but you know, just like people are attracted to to the goth scene or anything like that, or punk, or it, there's this this whole subculture around yeah witchcraft and and it gives you a thing. sense of I- identity. Right, and so uh, there's also this whole idea that there's no standards, there's no rules, there's no... You can basically... It's freedom, right? Yeah. In, in well, the, yeah, the Wicca mantra is hurt no one, do what you will. Yeah. Right? So that's their mantra. And, you know, the idea is don't... You know, do whatever you want as long as it's not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, if it feels good, do it. And that's a very freeing idea for a lot of people. Well, the thing that I think that we need to remember is that the spiritual world is real. Yes. And there are things there that God doesn't want you messing with. Right. For your own well-being and for His glory. Um, You know, these things aren't set in place to serve us. They're set in place to oppose us. Um, If if you look to, like, Ephesians 6, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So this is, all of that, by the way, this rulers uh, and authorities is not talking about the president. It's Mm -hmm. not talking about your governor. That's right. It's talking about mystical Areas. Well, it's talking about Satan like, and demons. Yes, it's talking about uh, this this whole idea. I think the King James translates this as principalities. The, the, this is referring to um, um, there is a reference in Daniel to this prince of Persia that the yes. the angel Gabriel had to confront, and then he said, "You know, I must leave here shortly and go deal with the prince of Greece." Right, and uh, it's interesting those. Those were pow- world powers that were, yeah. You know, the prince of Persia uh, or Persia was in power when Daniel had that dream, but Greece was the one that was going to take them over. Right. So it's just really weird. There's something happening on the spiritual realm that echoes into this physical one, mm-hmm. and he says that's what we war against. That's what he says we have to fight against. We have to struggle against this stuff. And therefore, that's why we put on this full armor of God that he talks about there in Ephesians 6. Mm. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. So I think that's that's the call for yeah. us when it comes to witchcraft. We have to keep in mind that our goal is to glorify God and not glorify anything else. 
whether, you know, it's made by idle hands or, or made, you know, or seems like it's some kind of supernatural magical thing. And so that's, you know, that sums that up for me. But interesting study. And, you know, witchcraft is a very real thing, whether or not we want to accept that or not. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyways, that's all I got. All right. Well, you got some news for us? Bring it on. And now the news. A pastor found a $62 million diamond and gave it away. (laughs) A man in Sierra Leone found one of the largest diamonds there in more than 40 years and gave it to the country's president. Emmanuel Mono, a pastor, found the 706-carat diamond (laughs) in a nearby village earlier last week and decided to give it to the government in hopes that the developing country will be able to make greater progress sooner. He mentioned seeing specific regions getting stable electricity and making improvements to their roads and wanted to see those continue. I believe the government can do more, especially at a time when the country is undergoing some economic challenges, he told the Associated Press. Sierra Leone's president, Ernest Bai Koromo Ma, encouraged people to follow the pastor's selfless example. The diamond hasn't been evaluated yet, but it could be worth $62 million. <laughs> Wow. He said, a gift from God, and it will be a terrible thing if anyone tries to do something criminal with it, Koromo said. The largest diamond found there was a 968.9 diamond in 1972. That one sold for $2.5 million. Wow. So that's crazy that pastor finds that and selflessly gives it to his country and hopes to, mm-hmm. to better the economy. How how powerful that speaks out yeah. for Christianity. How cool. Uh, evangelical leaders challenge Trump's America first budget. Okay. Uh, the, the leaders of America's top evangelical aid groups and denominations urged... Uh, Congress today to reject proposed cuts to foreign aid in a letter signed by more than 100 prominent Christians, including two of the six clergy who prayed at President Donald Trump's inauguration. (laughs) Nice. National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference President Samuel Rodriguez and Cardinal Timothy Dolan join the many leaders on the list, which includes InterVarsity Christian Fellowships Tim Lynn and Alec Hill and the president of Fuller. Uh, Gordon uh, Conwell, Denver, and Princeton Seminaries, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, and Third Day also signed. Wow. Uh, The Trump administration released its budget blueprint Thursday, which outlines the anticipated cutbacks to international aid programs. The plan reduces the State Department and U.S. Agency for Internal Development budget by 28%. Wow. So these Christian leaders are saying... That's not Christ-like, basically. You can't do that. So what do you think? Um, I'm not exactly there. Okay. And wow. the reason why in, in is because I don't think it's the government's job yes. to pay for all that stuff. Boom, baby. It's like, a, okay, if you guys are upset, I get it. Yeah. Go to your church. Right. Get them to give more I money. I know. It's not like your church is hurting for money. Right. I mean... Th- those that's the source yeah. of the those funds it doesn't need to be coming from the taxpayer no and that's my that's my belief that you know the church it's the church's job to end world hunger it's the church's job to shelter the homeless it's the church's job to reach out to the poor and the oppressed yeah. god didn't say okay government you need to take care of widows and orphans yeah. he said okay church 
you need to take care of widows and orphans in my name. Because when the government takes care of the widows and orphans, who gets the glory for that? Yeah. My only my only thing that, that I could think of in terms of, of getting on board with their protest or whatever it is against it is maybe it's because there's not a gradual change involved. If, they, if they're cutting the sources, like the, all oh, of a sudden that true. could hurt what's already helping. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's like you're pulling the rug out from people. Right. It's a little different instead of saying, okay, we're going to wean this away. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to take away this month, this month, and this and month, President next Trump month. seems to be like that kind of guy, like pull the rug out from under. But That's what he's been doing. I mean, if you look at the, the actual numbers, it, he's already saving like billions of dollars off of our national debt. Right, because of this type, drastic type of thing. So it's a, it, it, there's pros and cons to this. Sure, but the but the but I do I I can see where by doing it right uh, without any other funds coming from anywhere else, all of a sudden you're just gonna pull the rug out from people. Yeah, I guess I could see that, but uh, but ultimately. I'm on that page where the funds need to be coming from a different source. Right. Uh, there might just have to be a little more thought put into the transition. Yeah. And not only that, these different sources need to step up. That's the reality. Definitely. It's more not, than anything. It's not like they can't afford it. That's what needs to happen. Right. Instead of building mega churches, we need to be building mm-hmm. homes for homeless. Right. And so anyways, uh, SPC uh, leaders, I have to bring this up. Uh <laughs> Because it's headline news in the Christian world, continue to support Russell Moore. I don't know if you've heard anything about this at all. There was a huge, almost, the SBC was going to split in half over this debate. Russell Moore, um, all right, so I'll just read the article. This is from Relevant. A week ago, news circulated that Russell Moore, the president of the uh, SBC Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, was in hot water with some people over his deno- uh, people in his denomination. In fact, a reporter from the Washington Post suggested his job was in question. The controversy is complex and includes a lot of denominational nuances, but it largely centers around Moore's outspoken stance against the election of Donald Trump and the advocacy of racial rec- reconciliation efforts. Later that day, Moore met with another SBC leader, and the two uh, released a joint statement affirming their desire to work together to build a unified SBC. Then today, uh, ERLC Board of Trustees released a statement affirming the confidence and support of Moore and his leadership. Um, so basically what happened is Russell Moore came out early on in the campaign super against Donald Trump. Um because of his ethics more right. than anything else. Yeah. Um, and said that he even made statements like, if if you're going to vote for Donald Trump, you don't belong in the SVC. All this. <laughs> so you can't do that when you're the president of the Board of <laughs> Ethics and Religious Liberty. So there were people like going, okay, man, you're done. And then other people going, uh-uh, he's not done. He's stand, you know, he's speaking for us. So there was a denominational, like a, almost a denominational split, split over this, yeah. um, which wouldn't be the first time the SVC has had a denominational uh, problem. I mean, there's two, <laughs> Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's two basic denominations in Texas for that very reason. So anyways, um, but it, it seems like they're, they're patching things up. They'd much rather not, but there's been a lot of people that, 
just are really angry at Russell Moore over those those statements and stuff. But you know what? I think he stood his ground and he really expressed what he believed. <laughs> I'm tired of pol- political church leaders. Yeah, you know what I mean. If he's going to be a church leader, he needs to be real. So, anyways, you want to uh, hop in the TARDIS? Take me back in time. It's bigger on the inside. To be at sea in a storm on an ocean liner can be thrilling. Yes. To face a storm in a sailing vessel that is not seaworthy can be terrifying. Yes. The boat in which John Newton sailed was in despair, and its sails and rigging worn. The hard man who had often mocked God, John was considered impetus. Uh, sorry, impetus? Wow. Impious, even by his godless mates. One night, he was wakened by a violent wave crashing against the vessel. Water filled his cabin. Hurrying above, he found timbers had been ripped away. All were in terrible danger as the ship plunged through the furious storm. Men pumped desperately. Clothes and bedding were stuffed into holes and boards nailed over them. John joined those who were manning the pumps. Too exhausted to pump any longer, he was lashed to the wheel to try to steer the ship. The storm raged on and on. It was bitterly cold, and more so since the men had few clothes left. In this desperate moment, John turned his eyes back over his life. Raised at the age of seven by a Christian mother, he had sought the Lord with fasts and prayers, but failing to find God, he had become embittered. Despite this, the Lord preserved him through him many dangers. Once he was even a servant to slaves on the West Coast, even made a servant to slaves on the West Coast of Africa. In his heart, he believed Christianity was true. So it was that night that he reached out and he prayed, accepted Christ. Awesome. And then he became the author of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, our <laughs> most important number one hit of all Christian. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, it's, it's kind of cool because that song is written in the pentatonic scale. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's an African scale. Yeah. The African the African um, folk songs. Yeah. That's the scale that they sing in. So um, it's it's cool. It's like it's an honoring of the very people that he was a sl- he's honoring God. Yeah. But through this through this medium, right? That the very people he oppressed, right. I just love that. Yes, yeah. it was in it was on this day, March seventeen forty seven, that he realized he needed a savior. Wow, and he accepted Christ. So, um, yeah, and if you don't know, he was a slave. He was a slaver, mm-hmm. <laughs> converted to Christianity, and wrote Amazing Grace. How cool, John Newton! <laughs> you're awesome. All right, and then I got some pretty interesting Pope news. Brothers and sisters, come together. All right, so Pope Francis gets a lot of attention for his modern views on Catholicism, but he's now backing an ancient and controversial practice in the church. The Pope Necromancy. Yes. <laughs> no, the opposite. The Pope told priests they should be willing to call on an exorcist if they feel it's warranted, but they should make sure the person is actually possessed first. There's no official statistics, but epi- exorcism is reportedly on the rise. So peace spewing? That's a good sign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you might want to call head spinning and peace spewing, crab walking backwards (laughs) down a staircase. Might want to call an exorcist. Just saying. 
there's no official statistics, but ex- exorcisms are reportedly on the rise, at least in the U.S. Father Vincent Lampert of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis said, the problem isn't that the devil has upped his game, but more people are willing to play it. Wow. Yeah, but not all Catholics support the practice. Some parts of the church would prefer to leave exorcisms in the past. But the Pope, he's a Pope, uh, no. believes that exorcisms need to be, that priest need to be prepared we to up perform our game. Them. That's right. right. Up the exorcism game. Yep. The International Association of Exorcists, that's uh, who the Pope backed. <laughs> So, anyways, wow. I didn't know there was such a group. Me neither, but now I do. All That's right, cool. but who are you gonna call? <laughs> <laughs> the Pope. <laughs> the Pope. Okay, so yes, I, I still don't have my feedback stinger. So I just need to do that. Voicemail. I have email. Email from our uh, patron Saint Philip. Patron Saint Philip. Okay, so he writes to us. He says. Interesting. Oh, he's talking about the uh, mega church episode. Okay. Interesting episode, guys. I was a member of a humongous mega church for about fifteen years. The resu- the re- blah, blah, blah. can't speak. The resource positive is for sure, and the church's ability to reach out and help the community after natural disasters was big. We changed churches for a lot of reasons, and the size and feel of a corporation was part of it. Your mention of small groups and their importance with megachurches is dead on. And one of our issues was that due to work schedules, family life, reoccurring health issues, etc., we never felt being actively involved in a small group was feasible. Mm. Unless you're able to get very involved, I wouldn't recommend going to a megachurch. Unfortunately, human nature seems to creep in. Unless you were one of the regular volunteers or attended a lot of the social events, we felt like outsiders a lot. Hmm. Despite being members for many years and knowing a lot of people and me being a deacon. Hmm. Also, I had no relationship with the senior pastor, but did have other pastors I knew and could call or meet in person to speak with, if need be. And they were really great guys. Like I said, we changed churches for many reasons and now attend a medium-sized church that is a good fit for our family. There are many people who simply cannot attend a lot of social events or commit to regular volunteer work, and those people need Jesus and a church where they can feel welcome and at home, just like everyone else does. And I don't want to come across as speaking ugly of our old church. We have fond memories and love many people who still attend it. It was just time for us to make a change. Thanks for the show, guys. Philip. That's a great comment. I'm glad uh, to hear from a first-person account of, mm-hmm. of what, what it was like. And um, I think that the pros and cons balance needs to be understood in this thing. You know, we're not condemning megachurches either. No. And there are a lot of megachurches that get it And that wasn't the point right. of the episode at sure. all, was to slam megachurches right. or anything like that. It was more about just being cognizant of the of the pros and cons right absolutely of of the mega church i, I find the whole the whole concept kind of fascinating mm-hmm. ha- having always been in a small church right so me too so is All that right. it yep you ready to get out of here let's do it the Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network. Using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone, 
To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and The Secret Fire Podcast. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. You want to marry him, and he don't even know where he belongs, and you don't even know where you belong. Now, uh, let me tell you all everybody here how much I love these kids. Do you know I love you, sir? Stand up, big boy.